0: Following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Congratulations to K State baseball down nine to four in the later innings. And the Bat-Cats score eight unanswered runs thanks to a grand slam from Joko, Cole Johnson. Another home run from Goody, Nick Goodwin. Cats win 12-9 for their fourth straight victory. And that comes after losing three of four. A loss to St. Thomas. They lost a couple to Baylor. Now the Cats have seven wins on the road, the most since Pete Hughes' first season Back in 2019, welcome to the game. I am Mitch Fortner. I am all by myself today. No Travion, no Troy, just me. Feels like it's been forever since I've hosted the game. We will have number one song of the day coming up at about 540 to do a little Ask Us Anything. I've been left actually some questions. Uh, that we can hopefully answer uh, later on in the show to in, in things. I do want to talk a little bit about Big 12 basketball outside of K-State. Big hire was officially announced earlier today. This guy kind of reminds me of, uh, well, actually it reminds me of two people. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But I got to be real with you here. Um, I, I'm still going through the hangover of the loss on Saturday. And I'm not trying to sound like a broken record. And, you know, we're all still heartbroken about the Elite Eight loss to Florida Atlantic. And now it's going to be the Owls into their first Elite Eight ever, or the Final Four ever, after their first Elite Eight ever. And they're going to face San Diego State. And it feels like, God, this is like one of the biggest what-ifs in history of K-State athletics. And I I think later down the road, we're going to look back at it as a gigantic what-if. Because of the way the field is for this year's Final Four in case it was so close to beating Florida Atlantic this past Saturday at the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden. And a lot of things went wrong for the Cats. Down the stretch, a lot of things went right for Florida Atlantic. So I'm going to use this first, you know, 10 minutes or so of the show to kind of uh, try to break out of that, that hangover of losing to Florida Atlantic on Saturday. And I said yesterday on Wildcat Insider that I would advocate for Marquise Noel for everything he could possibly earn when it comes to an accolade for his work this past season. And I, I asked Gene Taylor about it and, you know, about what Jerome Tang said after the game Saturday about the way he wants to, wants you know, Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel to be remembered. That's their jerseys going up in the rafters forever. Uh, in case they for forever, they'll be honored forever with that accolade. Uh, so that, that really got me thinking, you know, like what is like the actual possibility of that happening? And I'll start with Keontae Johnson. To be honest with Key, yes, his, his season was very special. Just about 41% from three-point range. He was a team's second-leading scorer, and he only played one year with the Cats, but that one year, by God, is memorable. No doubt about that. Without Key, it would have been so difficult to reach the plateau that K-State did, and that is the Elite Eight. I do see it as a very difficult one to put end up Key getting into the rafters. And it's for, you know, a number of things. You know, first of all, it doesn't really have to do anything as well with, you know, Yes, he played one season, but he, I mean, he wasn't the leading scorer. He was the leading rebounder, was one of the best shooters, but you also didn't make the most threes. Like you know, when it comes to the statistics, the statistics say he wasn't the best player on the team, it, even though Coach Tang believes that he should be up there. And the you know the decision he made to come to K State and be a Wildcat if you're not playing basketball for two years, one year of eligibility remaining in the comeback. Um, you know, heck, I think the best way to uh, honor Keontae Johnson's like making a movie about his life and about his comeback. That's the story. The story could be made into a movie. I mean, I think that's going to make some money in the box office. If you were to do that, Keontae Johnson, I I wish he had a lot of argument. I think when it's all said and done though, you probably won't see his name in Jersey and the rafters of Bramwich Coliseum. Now, Marquis Noel, I will say he did play two years and this past season, I think you can make an argument. I think he really can, because it goes further than the run in the NCAA tournament, where he scored over 80 points, had over 50 assists, had over 10 steals, and he's the only player in college basketball history to do that in the first four games of the NCAA tournament. The numbers were off the charts. He was named All-East Regional MVP. Heck, you want to talk about MVP, the day after the game, Dream Dowling gets video of Marquise Noel giving his shoes and some clothes to a person on the streets of New York City. One of the kindest human beings. It doesn't stop there because I, when baseball was playing, I was like, okay, so I think CBS and some other folks were bringing up this stat like... And I don't have it in front of me, the exact stat of like what they're tweeting out or what they were talking about during the broadcast. I just kind of heard about it after the games. And they were kind of keeping track of, okay, so Marquise Noel, you know, he scores, you know, for instance, 30 points against Florida Atlantic, but with his assists, he also contributed to 32 points. So out of the points K State scored, he contributed to like 60 points in the game, 62 points in the game. So they're keeping track of of the points he was contributing not only with what he scored, but the points that were scored off of his assists. And I was like, you know what? That is very interesting. I wonder what those numbers would say if we went back and looked at every single game and looked at all 297 assists and tally up how many points he exactly contributed with, with his scoring And also the points coming off of his assists through the entire season. Because it's got to be just these insane numbers. Because he, Marquise Noel, shattered the single season assist record at K-State. And not only that, with his 297, he was three away from setting the new Big 12 record for assists in a season. He was just three from passing Dud Gottlieb, who had 299 in the early 2000s. But he was also K-State's leading scorer this season. Marquise Noel had 633 points. Keontae Johnson at 627. They're the first Wildcat duo to have 600 or more points in a season since pulling in Clemente in 2009-2010, an Elite 8 run. It wasn't only just that, though. I mean, Marquise Noel broke Elliott Hatcher's record of steals per game at 2.55, his 2.515 assist-to-turnover ratio, second-best in K-State history. He broke Barry Brown Steele's record in a single season with 92. He broke it by 10. He also broke Barry Brown's record for minutes played in a season with 1,328. Barry Brown's record was 1,285. He had the second best, Marquise Noel did, second best career free throw percentage behind Steve Henson. You know, that when it comes to rafter debate, You know, Steve Henson is up there, and that was a guy that could score the ball. He was an assist guy, 5'11 point guard, uh, and he was a better shooter than Marquise Noel. He was a better shooter. He was phenomenal from three-point range, over 40%. He was over 90% from the free-throw line. But Marquise Noel made 88 threes this year. That ties Denny Clemente for fifth most all-time. But back to the assists and comparing it to the points he scored this year. So, okay, so here's here's the full breakdown. And the math, all the all the research that I did yesterday tallied up to this. So Marquise Noel scored six hundred and thirty-three points. From his two hundred and ninety-seven assists, I looked at every single assist, and it totaled six hundred and seventy-nine points. So Marquise Noel had more points than coming from his assists than the points he actually scored. So that's already insane. So you add those two numbers up and you get 1,312 points. All right, so the next step in this research is, all right, how many points did K-State score as as a whole this season? Well, that number is 2,742. Guys, that is second most all-time in Kansas State history. The high is at Poland, Clemente, Elite, run in 9 and 10 with 2,949. All right, so do the math. Here's where it comes out to. You divide 1,312 by 2,742. Marquise Noel contributed to 47.8% of K-State scoring this season. So almost 48%, nearly as well half of the points that K-State scored this season. That is an incredible statistic. Now go a little bit further than that, after doing a little bit more math. So there were 14 games that Marquise Noel scored 20 or more points. On top of that, he had 18 games, 18 times. Marquise Noel assisted on the same amount or more points than he scored. So, sounded a little bit sloppy there. Maybe I can clear this up. So, there were 18 times there are more points or the same that he assisted on than he had scored. And 16 of those 18 times he scored in double figures. So, what I'm getting at here is, after doing a lot of research today, there there are only a few resumes when it comes to one single season that you can debate with. But Marquise Noel's 2022-23 season, when you consider the points he scored, the points that were scored on his record-breaking assist numbers with 297, add them up, it's nearly half of the points scored by K-State this season. He broke the single season assist record. He broke the single season uh, steals record. On top of that, his six hundred and thirty-three points scored, eighth most all time in a season. Guys, we're talking about. We probably just witnessed the greatest individual single season in K-State basketball history. The greatest. If you, if you tally all that up, I know he didn't have as many points as Jacob Pullen did in, in 2009 and 2010. I know he didn't shoot as hot as Steve Henson did back in, I think it was 1990, maybe 1991, where he shot over, I think it was 41% from three-point range. Some of those numbers, you know, they don't reach the top mark in program history. But there are plenty of stats that he will land in the top 10. It, it It is insane where he lands on so many statistics. There are a number of guys that will be you know on a couple of those numbers, maybe three. But it's almost every stat besides rebounding and blocks that you're going to find his name at least in the top ten single season program history. And that's where I say it's really hard to debate that maybe he shouldn't be in the rafters of Bramlage Coliseum. And, man, I, also just the, the way he improved over the two seasons, last year to this year. I mean, he came in as supposed to be a backup to Nigel Pack, and now he's starting next to Nigel Pack. Nigel's going to be playing for a Final Four. And then Marquise Noel, he took the reins and not only not only drove the wagon down the road, I mean, he led an army. Down the road, and help K State get to an elite eight. And there's no way the Cats get there without him. So I, I guess that's my pitch. As I said earlier, I would do anything to advocate for Marquise Noel. Again, I, like I said on Twitter back in the day, you know, I, I've always had an eye for that hard over height type of talent. You know, Deuce Vaughn, five six, and is you know now. <laughs> How How is he not on your top 10 list for Wildcats all time? And now Marquise Noel is probably my favorite K-State basketball player of all time. With, you know, a debate with Jacob Pullen. I mean, Jacob was at the right time for me. I was just getting into college. I was able to really pay attention to K-State basketball a lot more because I wasn't participating in sports myself. And it was, I mean, at the right time. I just got into college. I was able to get to Manhattan a lot more and watch games. And Jacob Pullman even said it himself on Twitter, responded to somebody's tweet and was like, you know, back then, you know, we didn't have this all on social media. You just had to kind of be there to really take it in. I mean, I was there to take it in. But I got to say, I was also courtside to take it in and watch Marquise Noel and this K-State men's basketball team with a fantastic run by Keontae Johnson. We saw Desi Sills really grow up, and he was like the Reggie Stubblefield of this basketball team where we fell in love with him like halfway through the season. And you're like, man, I wish we could have him for one more year because not only do you love his personality, you love his game. And this team that had 11 guys who was not previously with K-State believe in what Coach Tang had to say, I mean, it's harder to get special, more special than that. And the guy that led the special on the floor was Marquise Noel. And I, I try to be as unbiased as I possibly can, but I just gravitate towards the short the short ones. Uh, because especially in basketball, that guy could score on anybody. Anybody. He was not afraid. That's another thing. You want to talk about a guy that was just, he didn't fear anything. Didn't fear anybody. Again, going back to heart over height. He would take on anybody. I mean, he drove on Vlad Golden and scored in the Elite Eight matchup. That's that guy's 7-1. When he scored on Oscar Shibway, it was a great play. And it, it's one of the uh, it, it captured one of the greatest photos from the season. So when Marquise Noel, he drove on Oscar Shibway, and then when he got into the lane, right underneath the hoop, he kind of bounced into the chest of Oscar Shibway and laid it in. And then he takes the ball and plants it into the ground. Meanwhile, you got two Kentucky Wildcats, one on each side. It's kind of throwing their hands out like, what is this, ref? Are you going to call this? Are you going to say something? And it was a amazing photo. But going back to the assists and the points that were scored off of his assists, and that's another thing. It wasn't like traditional assists. Sometimes it was, and sometimes it was one of the most amazing plays we've ever seen with the behind-the-back passes, the alley-oop, the no-look alley-oop tosses, the lobs. Through the legs. Not only was Marquise Noel putting up the stats, he put on a show at the same time. So, with that being said, that's my argument. I want Marquise Noel in the rafters. Absolutely. But, of course, some guys will have to come first. All right, let's take a break. We'll jump a little bit further into Big 12 basketball. Another team that got bounced in the lead eight made the right call. It's coming up next. We continue with the game on K-Man. Mitch Fortner flying solo today from the K-Man studio. Last, gosh, four shows I've been on other than Wildcat Insider yesterday was either from Greensboro, North Carolina, or New York City. It was an honor to have this show from both Manhattans. May never happen again. I hope it does. But to be able to broadcast the show from Madison Square Garden was an absolute honor. We continue on with the game. I was... uh continue to look at a couple of numbers here from K-State um this this K-State basketball team this season hit 258 threes that's the second most all time second most all time the, the the other high the, the high was last year so the the last two K-State basketball teams are the two best three point uh shot teams in K-State history so how about that um wow You know, another thing, you know, Gene Taylor, I think it was back in 2020, and I brought this up when we had him on yesterday, about the criteria of how to get, you know, a jersey in the rafters, what is the criteria, like, you know, with the Ring of Honor, you know, consensus All-American type of thing, Um, you know, obviously, you know, sportsmanship, so many things come into play, you know, I'm kind of rattling things off the top of my head, I I don't have it in front of me, but I, with basketball, it's a little bit different, according to Gene Taylor, and, and maybe it's changed a little bit over the years. Just not exactly sure about that, but it just it's it's case by case. The decision will be made to put guys up in the rafters. That that whole process started in 2005, if I remember correctly. We haven't had a new jersey for the men's basketball team uh, in the rafters since 2009. I think Willie Morrell went in in 2009 so it has been a little while I mean honestly I wouldn't put anybody up until Jacob Pullen is ready to go you know meanwhile you know if the all-america thing would be a criteria uh, just about every all-american in K-State hoops history is up there maybe other than a couple you know a couple back in the 1930s uh, I don't think are up in the rafters other than that we wait Pullen to get up there uh, Michael Beasley would be another one. And then you have Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson. I mean, and, and Poland was a third-team All-American, and w- which actually was a little bit surprising. I would have guessed he was a little bit higher than that, second maybe. But he was a third-team All-American, and so was Marquise Noel, recognized by four different outlets. And I think Keontae Johnson was by two, if I remember correctly. So anyway, just throwing that out there. Uh, again, back on the game, 5 through 7, 1350 is the number. Again, I'm by myself if you want to call in. Uh, I'm going to trust that you are uh, calling in to talk about the Cats and uh, or just what's on your mind. did kind of want to uh, pivot a little bit to – because I had more ideas to talk about K-State, but I might save them for later shows. I think we're going to transition a little bit more into football tomorrow as um, there was an open practice. I say open is like the first 15 or 20 minutes earlier today at the new indoor facility. Wasn't able to go, uh, but you know the uh, kind of the early reaction is that they're uh, it's this team's a lot more healthier than they were last spring. There's a lot of dudes that were out last spring, including a lot of guys on defense, defensive line. They barely had anybody to put on that defensive line. Well, the cat's pretty healthy heading into the spring, so that is uh, that's very good news. You know, sticking with basketball and uh, in the Big Twelve, earlier today it was announced by Texas. Rodney uh, Terry is going to be now. The head coach. Interim tag removed, and now he's going to be the head coach of Texas. Uh, he coached the last 30 games as the interim head coach for Texas. Of course, that comes after, you know, Chris Beard uh, being arrested on a felony charge, assaulting a family member. That was back on December 12th. He was let go on January 5th, and of course, that charge is still over his head. Meanwhile, he's going to become the head coach at Ole Miss. Beard made five point two million dollars. Uh, that was what was his contract. That's what his contract said heading into the year. Meanwhile, Rodney Terry got a raise from when he became from just an assistant to an interim head coach. I think they actually like doubled his contract. He was making six hundred thousand, then he got about one point two million, and now he's going to make three million a year. And first thought there was like, man, that is a. Uh, it's not as much as Chris Beard. Well, the thing is, you know. Rodney Terry has been a head coach before, and the previous stop was UTEP. Well, the three years at UTEP, before he bounced back to Texas to be an assistant once again, it wasn't a good run, you know, around 500 records. It wasn't anything special. And then before that, it was a little bit better at Fresno State. I think he had one tournament appearance, didn't win a game. And again, it just, you know, it was, you know, average to below average basketball. Uh, when it comes to that mid-major level. That was his head coaching experience at the college level. And I had heard, boy, I think this was right before the NCAA tournament began. And this was a a source out of Austin that there's a lot of people that were thinking they didn't actually want Rodney Terry to become the head coach. But then you're – I mean, Texas goes on a run. They get to the lead eight. They do get bounced in Kansas City by – Uh, The Miami Hurricanes, which, you know, kind of weird how that happens. Texas wins the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City at the T-Mobile Center. And then Nigel Pack and the Hurricanes knocked them out of the tournament in the Elite Eight after blowing a 13-point lead to Texas. But it got to the point now where I heard that donors were starting to turn uh, their opinion around and what they wanted around, plus the fans. There weren't many fans in burnt orange that were like, we don't want this Rodney Terry guy. We just like him way too much. Great guy. The players love him. And by the way, he's winning basketball. And he's winning basketball with what was already a very talented roster. I mean, Serge Jabari Rice was one of the more impressive players I, I think I saw this season. He won sixth man of the year in the Big 12, and to me, he deserved it. But, you know, they won the Big 12 tournament without Timmy Allen. Their best rebounder, Marcus Carr, was one of the best players in the Big 12. Very talented team. But when you go back to when Chris Beard was suspended and was arrested, pretty dramatic time for Texas. Well, Rodney Terry grabbed the reins and got control of the ship right away, got in control of a wagon that was a little bit out of control, and he steered it in the right direction. And as a fan, I mean, if that happened here, there's no doubt about it. That particular person would be the absolute favorite to – to get the job, but it made me wonder: like, do these the, these higher ups, these people with money, in Austin, and they see the previous work as a head coach, and not like what they saw? You know, Ronnie Terry, I believe, was actually um, an assistant under Barnes when Rick Barnes was the head coach of Texas. I mean, you know, I mean, Rick Barnes, talk about an absolute choke artist. Watching them choke to Florida Atlantic. Uh, not a surprise from Barnes to see that happen, uh but was also very successful and also you know Rodney Terry helped not only steer the ship in the right direction but also got Texas further into the tournament than they, than they had been in you know, around fifteen years. so I'm actually happy for Texas that they hired Rodney Terry um even though I, I wouldn't mind seeing Texas absolutely crash and burn. I think we all were kind of hoping like, all right, Texas's program is in a downward spiral. This assistant is going to be now an interim head coach. Can he get things under control? I mean, maybe he does have a good roster, but we wouldn't mind seeing a burn, to be quite honest. And, of course, it all has to do with them leaving for the SEC. Uh, but he didn't. And the thing is, I mean, his – the reaction from people and the way the players talk about him as much as they like him honestly kind of reminds me of Jerome Tang a little bit in that whole story I mean, different stories in my opinion you know this is the first time Jerome Tang has been a you know D1 head coach but just the love that's been generated it re- it just kind of reminds me but i mean maybe players have said so many nice things. Maybe they're just trying to say nice things because they think their head coach is Gus Fring from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. If you look at him, if you put the pictures side by side, they look a lot alike. It's the glasses, though. It's the glasses that make Rodney Terry look like Gus Fring. And by the way, if you've never watched Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul, I finished Better Call Saul uh, on the plate run home from New York City fantastic show. Breaking Bad's better, but both shows, they get better as the show goes on. Anyway, Ronnie Terry now the 26th head coach in Texas basketball history, the fifth in the past 35 years. We'll take a break. Number one song of the day. Up next, Game. <laughs> come undone there's nothing we can do Nineteen seventy-nine. Hard Eight tonight by Eagles. Just one week in number one. I've never been the biggest Eagles fan. Felt like this. I felt like they've had like trouble of deciding: Are they going to be a rock band? Are they going to be a country band? But I will say, there's two songs I've always loved by by the Eagles, and that is Heart, Heartache Tonight and, uh, of course, Hotel California. And a legendary lineup, when they started, first of all, they formed in L.A. in 1971. Glenn Fry, Don Henley were original members. I think, obviously, they're the most recognizable. Joe Walsh would later on join about four years later. I think what's very interesting about the Eagles is when they first came together they weren't the Eagles. They were band members for Linda Ronstadt. And then they decided, "All right, hey, we got some uh we got some chemistry. And we love America. So, uh let's soar like eagles. Let's flap our wings and fly and make our own music." So that's what they did. And you know what? They're kind of popular. As in like top 10 best-selling band of all time. As they've sold over 200 million albums worldwide. Inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 98. Now, back to the country part of this band. They were ranked 34th on country music. I don't know why they just spelled it out. It's just CMT. CMT's 40 greatest men of country music. The Eagles were on the list. So, let's figure it out, boys. Back in 2015, Kennedy Center Honors said, Hey, Eagles, we want to honor you. They had to postpone because Glenn Frey was in really poor health. Unfortunately, Glenn Frey passed away a month later, early 2016. But you know what? Rolling Stone says the Eagles... 75th on the list of the greatest artists of all time. I think they deserve, definitely, definitely deserve top 100. Absolutely, no doubt about it. Seven studio albums, 17 top 40 hits, and this was their last of five number ones. I was surprised that the Eagles only had seven albums. Seven studios, 17 top 40 hits. And it's from their sixth album, The Long Run. This was their last album before a long hiatus. Don Henley and Glenn Fry wrote this together with a couple of other dudes. One of them you, you may have heard of. His name is J.D. Souther. He was kind of known as the unofficial eagle because he was such a good music writer for him. The other was Bob Seger. Bob Seger helped write this song, believe it or not. Uh, you know, kind of does have that old-time rock and roll feel, doesn't it? But Glenn Frey was 19 in Detroit when he and Bob Seger met up, and Bob kind of took him up, you know, like I've known the guy for years. Bob took Glenn under his wing, got him into the music business, and then they would write this song a few years later. The influence came from Glenn Frey and also J.D. Souther were listening to Sam Cooke records. And they're just kind of walking around, clapping their hands, and they wanted to kind of feed off of that energy and have that same energy in this song called Heartache Tonight. And then while they were riding the long road, that was after Hotel California, so they were just looking for the absolute perfect album. It had to be absolutely perfect to follow up Hotel California. So they got the beat down, and they wrote that together. You know, it's just kind of two long verses is what they call it. The chorus, It's Gonna Be a Heartache Tonight, was all written by Bob Seeger. And Bob actually uh, provided some backing vocals to the hit. It won Grammy Award for Best Rock Vocal, not Country, Best Rock Vocal Performance by a Duo or Group. It is more of a rock song. And Bob Seger actually played this at the memorial service for Glenn Frey in 2016. When that got out, you know, Bob Seger was on his tail end of of touring. I believe Bob Seger has done touring, if I remember correctly. I think he retired. But fans were begging Bob Seger to perform this on tour. But he's like, there's no way. There's no way I could keep up with the high notes. That is like the absolute highest range of my vocal cords. I'd blast them out. But Glenn Fry, every time out, would sing the absolute crap out of Heartache tonight. We'll finish up the game next. Final few moments of the game here on K-Man, just a one-hour version Uh, One note about the podcast, so as of today, we are officially moving to Spotify only, so we are now exclusively with Spotify with our podcast. We will still be uploading the podcast on our website, NewsRadioKman.com. I do not believe you need a Spotify account to listen to the show. Uh, You can just open up Spotify, click on the uh, play button, and you can listen to the show. Also on the website, And newsradiokman.com. So that's how it will be uploaded here today. Reminder we will, uh, we plan to have a full two hours of the show tomorrow. Uh, depends if K State baseball runs long or not, but we're planning on two hours. Uh, Probably actually talk a little Royals. Tomorrow with opening day coming up on Thursday. We will not have a show on Thursday due to opening day with first pitch coming up at 310. But K-State baseball tomorrow, 1 o'clock, first pitch. And that means pregame starts at 1230 with Matt Walters on the call. All right. I've been stalling for a little bit because I don't usually run the show myself. So I'm just kind of looking for, there it is. I was left some questions by a third party. So here we go. The first question is, did I see any celebrities in New York City? I did. I mean, we all knew about um, Carmelo Anthony and Isaiah Thomas being at the games. So I went to a bar called uh, Montero's, which is a karaoke bar. I was trying to get the media guys to go. They didn't want to go, oh, it's in Brooklyn. It's too far. Oh. You know, whatever. I'm over it. Uh, so I went myself. Uh, because John Kurtz, Brady Bowman, and I had an amazing time when we went back in 2019. And it's just the same. It has the same vibes. It's a big party. Everybody sings along to the karaoke. It is a great time. I was told there there was a gal that was on Grey's Anatomy there, but I, I've never watched Grey's Anatomy. I have no idea who it was. Uh, I did see her, but I I no idea. But I just overheard some people talking about it, so... Uh, I guess I saw somebody from Grey's Anatomy. Uh, next question: Best food in New York City. I'm. That's the way it was. Uh, that's the way the question was written. I would imagine what was the best food I had while I was in New York City. So believe it or not, I would actually have to give that award to Madison Square Garden. I mean, I had pizza. There was that hot dog place in the movie Fools Rush In. I tried that. It was all right. Ran into a really good pizza place in the Upper West Side I'd never been to. I I found out my pizza place and my Greek restaurant that are next door to each other. Both closed like a month prior to me getting there. I was heartbroken. Absolutely devastated. But for those there, if you tried the cheeseburger with bacon jam on it, that was amazing. It might have been the best burger I've ever had that or when I went to Chef Ramsay, Gordon Ramsay's restaurant in Vegas. That burger might be the best, but this would be second place. It was phenomenal. All right, I'm bouncing. Troy should be back along with Travion tomorrow with me, and we'll have a full two hours of the game. I'm Mitch Fortner. Thanks for listening. Go Cats.